Are you ready? Are you shitting down? We're going to pull back the curtain on the divorce process, the mistakes and the missteps. How can couples navigate the divorce process? Can you still divorce in a healthy way? The conversation is as good as it gets. It's fun, insightful. It will change the way you think about your life and how to tackle life's challenges. The Shine On Podcast, season three. It's episode 60 of The Shine On Podcast. I'm Evan Shine. We have a terrific guest on today's episode. You may have seen her featured in Oprah Magazine or heard Beyonce give her a shout out. Or perhaps you have read her best-selling book, Hard Work or Harmony. The featured guest on the Shine Up podcast is Keandra Jackson. Keandra is a marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles. She's an award-winning speaker and the best-selling author. My conversation with the brilliant Keandra Jackson is coming up. Producer Dave, how are you? Not too bad. Happy spring to you, my friend. Happy spring. Happy baseball season. Yeah. Happy a lot of things. And I got to tell you, I know you thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with Keandra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went a lot of different ways. We even played sort of a game with her and had her interpret some famous quotations. It was cool. It was cool. Our listeners, you will enjoy. Yeah, and we're going to get to that. And we're going to get to a lot of things on today's episode. But first, as we always do, Dave, let's fire up the docket. Let's do it. And now, let's see what's on the docket. Three good news items for the docket today, Evan. And the first one comes to us from IFL Science. Item one. Headline reads, the four big factors that often explain why marriages end in divorce. Apparently, there's a psychologist named Dr. John Gottman who calls these factors the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Your thoughts on this one, Evan? <laughs> well, Dave, first, let me say this. I want to have Dr. John Gottman's crystal ball. This guy's quoted everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Give me his crystal ball because apparently he looks into it and he knows if you're getting divorced or not. And look, Gottman claims that it's possible to predict. You ready for this? Yep. With over 90% accuracy. What? Which couples would divorce and the few that are going to stay together and look to help them. He identifies four factors or, as you said, Dave, he calls them the four horsemen. They are contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. But Dave, let me ask you, which do you think of those four? Contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Which do you think was the most crucial factor that is going to predict are you going to stay married or get divorced? <laughs> I, I think that this is like saying, will a pile of leaves, how will you predict if a pile of leaves will catch fire? Number one factor, if you throw a match on it. You know, I mean, <laughs> contempt, <laughs> criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Yeah, I'd say your marriage is is got some chinks in the armor if any one of those four are available. I, maybe there's more to this, Evan, but it seems like, it, I'm not saying he's wrong, but it seems like common sense. Common sense, look, number one, because I know everybody was waiting in a great anticipation. Number one is contempt, but Dave, I'm with you. Yeah. This guy's quoted, look, and I give him all the credit in the world. He's a renowned psychologist, the Gottman Institute, brilliant guy, brilliant organization. I don't know. I think your analogy's spot on. If you have any one of these things in your relationship, it's probably not that good. Mm. And look, Gottman first wrote a book in 1993 
what predicts divorce and the four horsemen were identified in his book. Fast forward, Dave, 30 years later. Now, do you think the book holds the test of time? There's a bit of common sense, as you mentioned, or do you now think in the year 2023, there's other considerations based on the world we're living in, politics, economics, whatever it may be, mm. that have also impacted marriage, relationship, that may have been different when Gottman first published the book in 93? Great question. I think the answer is yes, and one springs to mind, and you've, you've hinted at it, and then it's politics, and it's sort of maybe it's a sad state of affairs of our country, but I know having been out and about in the dating scene a little bit, I can tell you that if someone asks you, did you vote for Trump? That is a litmus test. If you, <laughs> depending upon <laughs> if you, if you answer that question, quote unquote, incorrectly, the relationship is over. And it's, it's too bad. Cause I don't think it used to be that way, but that's the state of affairs. Well, Dave, you remember the first guest ever on the Shine podcast, Dr. Gene Safer was all about politics and relationships and the divisiveness in the country. And, and, and sort of now she talked about, right. As we think back to that premier episode of the podcast mm. in November of 2020, what was happening in the world in the political landscape with everything that was going on and how that was such an important consideration when people were going on dates or in marriages or sitting around the Thanksgiving table really the impact of politics on families and relationships. Absolutely. And it sadly, it, it, it is what it is, but it does tear families apart sometimes. And I hope one day we can get to a point where well, all politicians are sort of equally viewed with equal cynicism, like in the good old days. <laughs> yeah, no, sure, Dave, I just want to say this. Yep. It doesn't matter your political affiliation. Let me tell you this. Anyone who's <laughs> looking at Dave, producer Dave, you know what? Who he votes for. It doesn't matter. Producer Dave's a fantastic guy, even if he's voting for the wrong wrong candidate. <laughs> I just will never tell anyone who I'm voting for. How does that? that? That works out better, right? We move on to item two. Item two. Comes to us from abc.net, article entitled, Becoming Fiscally Single, How Divorce Changed Sommer's Relationship with Money. And we're talking about... Uh, woman named Sommer Todhill. She went through a divorce and she said becoming romantically single wasn't the biggest challenge she experienced. She said the fact that she was fiscally single, that led to her biggest challenges. Interesting take. Uh, your thoughts, Evan? Dave, look, divorce has a tremendous impact on people. It affects everyone differently. People change after divorce. People grow. People learn from divorce and people may need to become more independent. And one of those ways the article talks about is being financially independent. And for a lot of people who may not have been intimately and familiar and intimately involved with finances during the marriage, but now after getting divorced, that all changes. And there can be, understandably so, a lot of stress that comes with taking on something new, a new responsibility. But it can be for the better. I mean, look, in episode 57, we had on Money Coach Olivia Summerhill who talked about her background and experiences with money and finances and how one's relationship with money can have a tremendous impact on a person. But Dave, let me ask you, were there things during your marriage that didn't fall into your bucket in terms of responsibilities that following your divorce, 
you had to learn. You had to do yeah. more, whether it's financial things, whether it's parenting things, whether it's day-to-day things, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. One word, Evan, laundry. I had to learn how to do laundry. I, I, and <laughs> what? It piles up way quicker than I ever thought it really did. No, they're, they're, that in seriousness, stuff like that, yes, um, certain things I had to do. But when I was married, my wife, she she didn't handle all of our finances. We kind of split the duties. So, that yes, there were times where all of a sudden I realized you have that sinking moment where, you you know, have I kept up with my insurance payments, my car insurance payments, or, or just these random little things that maybe she used to take care of that now you're responsible for. So I I feel uh, Summer's situation here, it, it's... It's something that it's just part of the learning process of as you go on, you get divorced, but it's word to the wise. Yeah. Be just be ready because certain things are going to pop up that you didn't even realize that your ex-spouse used to take care of. Dan, I'll tell you what, for everyone listening, it doesn't matter who producer Dave votes for (laughs) ladies. He does his own laundry. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'll put that. I'll put that on my Tinder profile. See if that works. We move on. Item three. Item three. Well, Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen back in the news again. Giselle Bündchen is talking about her ex-husband, or at least I don't know if they're officially divorced yet, but she says about her divorce with Tom Brady, we just wanted different things. She takes offense to suggestions that it was all about Tom's love affair with football, and she says she actually will always root for him and tries to calm down some of these rumors. Evan, your thoughts about my hero, or maybe my former hero, I don't know. While Brady's officially retired, Dave, Brady's out of the National Football League, one thing still remains. There's no offseason, not when you're Tom Brady and not when you're Giselle Bündchen, when it comes to your divorce. In the USA Today article, Giselle opens up about the divorce, about the separation. There's been so much speculation on why. What happened? Why did Tom and Giselle call it quits? Why now? Was it their careers? Was it that Tom wanted to return to football a few years back? Was it that Giselle wanted to pursue additional career opportunities? You name the speculation. We heard it and we talked about it here on the podcast. Mm. In a recent interview with Vanity Fair, Giselle again, she denied what she calls the quote, very hurtful rumors that Brady's off again and on again retirement from football was the root of the dissolution. Dave, I want to read you some of the quotes and get your take on this. Mm. Some of the quotes from Giselle that are mentioned in the USA Today article. Mm -hmm. Giselle says, it's tough because you imagine your life was going to be a certain way and you did everything you could. The reality of their divorce wasn't an episodic situation, but instead an event that took, quote, years to happen. Another quote from Giselle. We realized that we just wanted different things, and now we have a choice to make. That doesn't mean you don't love the person. It just means that in order for you to be authentic and truly live the life you want to live, you have to have somebody who can meet you in the middle. What are your thoughts here in those quotes from Giselle's interview with Vanity Fair, which is referenced in this USA Mm -hmm. Today article? Yeah, well, the first two sound like typical divorce the the typical divorce in in my opinion you've you've probably got more stories than I do Evan with your clients but it's not always a smoking gun it's not always that old fashioned nightmare of coming home and finding your spouse in bed with somebody else and all of a sudden boom you're divorced it's usually 
a long process because it's a big decision. It takes time. And, and when you finally make that painful choice to leave, it's really the result of a bunch of things over time. Although the last, I think she's, she's got a little edge in that last quote she says where you have to find someone to meet you in the middle. I think she's taking a little shot at him there and saying that she was compromising and he wasn't. Yeah, interestingly, that's the last one of the last quotes and she started off all nice, but, but you need to find someone who meets you in the middle. To me, there might be, and I read it the same way you did, she took a little jab, but there's some truth there, whether it's her career, whether it was family, whether she wanted to pursue certain passions of her own and thought Tom maybe should retire. Who knows? It's all speculation. We might never know the exact details, but I did read that last quote just like you did. And for me, one of the quotes that stuck out was quote number one, where she says, it's tough because you imagine your life was going to be a certain way. Mm. When I dissect that, and I think about the clients and people that I meet going through one of the worst times in their life and, and the reasons people look to get divorced and file for divorce. So very often, Dave, mm. people will say from an expectation perspective or an expectation standpoint, they thought marriage was going to be different. They thought their life was going to be different. I'm not sure if people went back to the point in time where they got married. Mm. I'm not sure they really thought through it at that moment the ups, the downs, kids, finances, the tough conversations. And people, I think, naively think marriage is just going to be a honeymoon. But what about that quote stands mm. out to you? It's tough because you imagine your life was going to be a certain way. Yeah, it's, I'll maybe go back to what I said before and that it's that it, there's no one epiphany where you realize you're not to be with this person. It, it's, it's usually, I don't know if people change, but people certainly change their habits and they fall into habits. And over the course of time, you, you end up maybe giving up on some things that you were passionate about. And then it's a lot of like small moments in time that all of a sudden lead you to a point where you're like, man, this kind of isn't what I wanted when I really stop and think about it. it. Some of that is because you compromise to meet your spouse in the middle, or sometimes it's just, it takes a lot of time to get to know someone. And even after marriage, you're learning things about your spouse. And eventually you may learn that you weren't the perfect match. So it's, it's a sad reality, but I think it's probably pretty typical. We are now up to the portion of the program where we hear from you, the listener. Ask Evan. Ask Evan. Ask Evan. In this edition of Ask Evan, we hear from Juliet from Los Angeles. She writes, Dear Evan, I am divorced and I have three daughters with my ex-husband. We now have been separated for a few years and our co-parenting relationship has improved with the passage of time. I was inspired after listening to your discussion with Ellen Bruno on episode 59 of the podcast. Hearing the perspective from children and things they thought their parents could have done differently is why I am reaching out. While our children do not know the real reason for their father and I separating, I do wonder if I should tell them and be open and transparent at this time. What are your thoughts? And is there any legal action my ex could take to stop me? Julianne, thanks for your question. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Ellen Bruno was a tremendous guest and her film split the teen years. It was brilliant. It's powerful, educational. And I'm glad you had the chance to listen to the podcast interview. And I would definitely encourage you to check out her film. Second, look, it's tough. And it's a decision that you should think about long and hard. 
I commend you for having a unified message with your ex, telling your children at the time of the separation. And there must have been a reason that you did not want them to know why the two of you separated at the time. And while there's nothing legally your ex could likely do, if you told the children now, you want to think about the following. Is it going to rock the co-parenting boat you have with your ex? You mentioned things were a bit better. Do you feel you owe it to your children to tell them now? Will your children appreciate the honesty at this point in time, or are they going to be upset? All these things are important considerations. You may also want to consult with a therapist. But Dave, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on the question from Juliet from Los Angeles? Should she tell the kids they're a bit older now, the relationship with her ex is a bit better, or there are some things that are better left untold? Yeah, so what we can read into this, I think, I, I, I can't know for sure, but that Juliet wants to tell them something about their father that maybe is is not flattering, that maybe he, he went outside of the marriage with a different woman. Maybe it was drug use or something like that. So presuming that's it, I think you hit the nail on the head, Evan, when it's like if you were if you didn't tell them back then, why would you need to tell them now? And I do believe in the notion that things need to be taken on a case by case basis. It's, it's most of the time in life, it serves you well to be honest and to tell the truth. But that is not an absolute maxim that always holds up. And sometimes it's better not to reveal things if the the main outcome of the thing is going to be the people will be hurt. And that that's possible here. Of course, you and I don't know Juliet personally, so we can't make the decision for her. Maybe she has a compelling reason to share this with them. But if the sole reason is because of, and again, I'm reading into this, but if the sole reason is just some general notion of justice, or maybe she still has a little resentment towards her husband about about whatever it is that he did. That's not a good impulse. That should be the kind of thing that you keep between you and your ex. Telling your children it's possible it might only hurt them. Dave, I agree. Our featured guest on this week's episode of the podcast is Dr. Keandra Jackson. She is a marriage and family therapist, award-winning speaker, and best-selling author. Dr. Jackson, welcome to the podcast. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. No, thank you for being here. We're excited to have you on today's episode. And I want to start with your book. So your book is called Hard Work or Harmony. Tell us why you chose that as the title. And is there an answer to that question? That's a great question. So I chose the title Hard Work or Harmony because the work that I do in, in the relationship space People often say that relationships are so much hard work, hard work, hard work. And I'm not a big fan of using that word in regards to how we describe our relationship because there's other words that can be used to describe to make sure that we are having healthy relationships. And so I'm all about harmony because people often say we can balance and we can do all of those things, but I don't really believe in balance. Balance means that we're trying to juggle all the balls in the air at one time and it's not realistic, but Harmony understands that there's an ebb and a flow, that there is sometimes where things will take precedent over another, but it doesn't mean that the thing that's on the back burner is not important. And so I don't necessarily know if there's a real legitimate answer, but if there <laughs> was, I would definitely say that Harmony wins for sure. Fair enough. And, and Dr. Jackson, I love that. Look, human beings, we all need certain things. 
basic necessities, whether it's food and oxygen and exercise and sleep. We also crave relationships. Why do we need relationships? From my perspective, I truly believe that God created us to run and be loved. And companionship and connection is a part of that. And oftentimes when we think of relationship, that's really what it is. We want partnership. We want companionship. We want connection. We want somebody to do life with, even if it isn't necessarily in the most romantic space. That's what family, friends, and coworkers and all of those things entail. And so being connected with other people, it really fills our soul. It fuels us to make sure that we're on this path and we're not doing it alone. And when we are connected and we're with community and people, we really can just optimize our life and go to that next level and become our best self. And you mentioned so many things about healthy relationships, connection, communication, all the things that make a relationship wonderful, a relationship that we strive for as human beings. But you see people as a family and marriage therapist who are in unhealthy relationships, who are in hurtful, not so great relationships. And people often stay in relationships that are far from great, that are in fact hurtful and damaging far too long. How do people who are in those types of relationships decide whether they should end those relationships? I wish people came to me more when they are doing well in relationships, but oftentimes people come to me when it's almost too late. Studies have shown that couples come to therapy seven years too late. Let me say that again. Seven years too late. <laughs> So that means by the time they get to me, they think that this is supposed to be magic. They think that I'm supposed to wave a, wave a magic wand and life is going to be better and that the relationship issues are going to be solved. And that's inaccurate. And so it really does take a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of commitment, you know, to stay connected with somebody, especially if it's someone you're supposed to be with. Because to answer your question, what I have seen a lot in the work that I do is that people are not always with the person that they were supposed to be with. They're just with someone for the moment. They're with someone because they had children with them. They're with someone just because it was convenient. And it's not really the love of their life. It's not really the best option for them, but they stay because of convenience. So to that point, what are the telltale signs that a relationship is flawed or the early signs in a relationship that someone can say to themselves, you know what? this isn't the right marriage, this is not the right relationship for me? That's a great question. The one thing that comes to my mind was reciprocity. I often see that relationships are often one-sided when it gets flawed, when it's skewed, when it, when it begins to become unhealthy or toxic because there's one person giving me the time, the energy, the effort, the connection, the communication. They're doing all of the things, helping with the kids, the money, whatever it looks like. And the other person might be slacking a little bit in certain areas. And also, it isn't just the imbalance there, but it's also the lack of the, the lack of the desire to want to fix that, to want to do better. They're okay with the relationship being lopsided. And so when there is a reciprocity, when one person isn't giving and, and also receiving and it being happening and that happening on both ends, it can really cause the relationship to go downhill very quickly. And marriages fail for a number of reasons. You see it in your work all the time. I see it when people sit across from me as a divorce attorney. Since such, so much of your work focuses on relationships and your expertise is in that field, tell us whether the construct of marriage helps foster a healthy relationship or can the so-called rules of marriage hurt 
a relationship. Ooh, you're trying to get a little controversial here. I love that's, this. that's what we do on the podcast, of course. I love this. So from my perspective, it depends on the particular marriage and the rules that they have set. There are so many different types of people who go into marriages for different types of reasons, with different constructs of marriages from their upbringing and what society says the marriage is supposed to be like. And so I've seen people navigate that space very differently. And there's no room for judgment. I've seen people who have monogamous marriages. I've seen people who had open marriages. I've seen people where the woman is the breadwinner and all of these different constructs of what a particular marriage is supposed to look like. And it's not necessarily what society views as normal, but it works for that couple. So I would say if it works for them, if the rule of the traditional lens of marriage works for you, then I would say go for it. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. As long as you're still in a healthy relationship, that's the only thing that I'm voting for. Dr. Jackson, we always hear the phrase opposites attract. True or false? Opposites absolutely attract. Well, studies have shown that opposites actually attract, but what keeps people together long-term or the similarities. So initially, the differences is what attracts us to each other, right? I like to think of the bad boy, good girl, <laughs> and that is so exciting to us because it's so different. But when we start to really be in a relationship with that person who is very different than us, and we're thinking about long term, it typically doesn't work if there isn't, if there aren't any similarities. So making sure that you're on the same page in a relationship, making sure that those core values and the things that really matter to you align is what keeps people together in a healthy relationship long-term. At the beginning of a relationship and marriage, do you find people don't have those conversations enough about core values? Oh, big time. I don't think most people even know what core values are or what there's really, what there's Really, what theirs are. I think that they just like someone. It's like, oh, this person is cool. We've been hanging out and going on dates, you know. They may be a good person, but they don't really think, is this person compatible with me long term? If I were to have children with this person, what would that look like? And thinking about those real things that are concrete and that are very stable is, is really important. So understanding your core values, the things that matter to you, what are your non-negotiables, things that you just will absolutely not put up with? All of that matters and expressing that to your partner and making sure you're on the same page really is probably one of the most important things that you can do. Probably in the beginning stages, but also even throughout the relationship to make sure you're on the same page. To that point, do you find that you work with people in the beginning stages of relationships who are struggling to have really those hard conversations, whether it's about expectations or jobs or finances? Children, do you find that it would be helpful to have those conversations through a therapist, through a third party, if people are avoidant or they're looking to really not have those core value conversations early on? Yeah, those are mandatory. I honestly feel like we're not having enough of those conversations. And that's why you see that divorce rate continues to increase and people are breaking up. It's funny that we're having this podcast at this time. Studies have shown that relationships tend to break up and increase in February, but actually reach an all-time high in the month of March. So the fact that we're here having these conversations <laughs> is really, it's really important. And having the hard conversation 
It's very difficult. It feels icky inside sometimes. You're just not sure how the other person is going to respond. You don't know if they're going to dump you based on your responses. And all of those emotions come up. But you have to be true to yourself. There's no point of being in a relationship if you are, if you are afraid to get your questions answered. If you're afraid to talk about the hard things. Because if you don't, I can guarantee that those hard things are going to eventually pop up in your relationship at some point, and they will have to be dealt with at a later time. And you're either going to end up in your office or my office. <laughs> One or the other. Exactly. Many times both, and, and Dr. Jackson, you work with couples and also with families. What are the differences in your approach, and how do you counsel each depending on the setting? So people think oftentimes that when I say I work with couples, and then I work with the family. They think that it's just the parents and the children. So families and the family unit consists of so many different varieties. So it could literally be parent-child. It could literally be cousin. I've literally worked with, it was a father-in-law and a niece. And so there's so many different dynamics of the family unit that can come to therapy depending on the rupture in the relationship depending on what the issue is. And it's not always just the parents and the children. But couples therapy, for me and in my couples therapy, I, I'm very intense in a loving, kind way. <laughs> I tell people that therapeutically ruthless, which essentially means I will hold your hand, I will walk you through this process, I will guide you, I will give you all the tools. But when I need to give you a kick in the butt, and when I need to push you along, I absolutely will because we have goals that we're trying to make sure that we are reaching them. So I like to say that my therapy sessions tend to be very unique to the couple, but my, my clients also know that I'm very serious about that process and what that entails that they really, really want to do the work. I'm smiling because people always say, Evan, if I could be a fly on the wall in your office, and I'm thinking that uh, if I could be on the wall in Dr. Jackson's office here in your brush. Absolutely. Being a fly on the wall would be so juicy, so juicy. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question I get asked all the time. So let me reverse it. People always say to me, Evan, what are the most common reasons people get divorced? And so let me ask you, what is the biggest mistake that you find people in making relationships? And what's the number one reason you find people end up in your office? I will say the number one reason, and it probably goes under the communication topic, but it's really about making assumptions. So there's so many people who assume things and they think that their partner is a mind reader and all of these little nuanced things that no one really teaches you about in regards to communication unless you're really intentional about learning. And so I guess the overarching response will be like communication issues. People don't know how to communicate effectively. They were never taught in some cases. And when there's a rupture or a disconnect in the relationship, they don't know how to repair it. And they don't know how to repair it in a healthy way. And so they just default to what they've always done, which is probably unhealthy, running, being mean, saying harsh things, and all of that, which makes the situation 10 times worse. Dr. Jackson, I want you to think about your own life. Tell us who your oldest friend is and why that relationship. Oh, so personal. So I have a lot of childhood friends that I grew up with since I was like three or four years old. And so we're still very close, even though we're very distant physically. So they're in a completely different state. I'm here. 
Well, it works because we give each other that space and that autonomy, which essentially means I don't have to talk to her every single day or we have to hang out every single weekend or I have to text all day for her to know that she's my best friend, for her to know that I love her and I care about her and that we're going to see each other soon. It gives us the space to be our own individual selves, live our own lives. But when we do come together, there's going to be laughs, there's going to be fun, there's going to be you know, <laughs> catching up. And I think that is the beautiful part about being an adult and having adult friendships is that it looks very differently than when you were a child. If someone's convinced they need to end a relationship, what advice would you give someone on how to break the news to their partner or spouse? Because that's a conversation, because that's a conversation nobody wants to have. That's very true. The first thing that came to mind when you had, when you posed that question was do it quickly. Uh, because oftentimes <laughs> things linger way too long. I have seen people who knew that the person that they were with, or even in the dating phase, they knew that that person wasn't a good fit for them, right? It just wasn't the best option. But they continue with it for multiple reasons, for money, for kids, for sex, for all of these things that we see people who stay in relationships when they shouldn't be. And it's a really horrible place to be in because we know eventually something's going to hit the fan. We know eventually it's not going to work out. And so I will say have the conversation as quickly as possible. Even if you are already married, we have that as soon as the relationship is at a complete dead end and is not progressing and going any further. I often tell the couples that I work with to make sure you exhaust all avenues before calling it quick. So before going to Evan, it just and today, I'm through with this marriage. I need for you to read the books. I need for you to take some courses, go to therapy, work on it, speak to a trusted friend, do whatever you need to do to say, I have tried everything in my whole entire being to make this marriage work. And I'm confident enough to say that even with all the work that I've done, it's not working. And then we can move forward with ending it indefinitely. I'm going to take that that bit and I'm going to play it over and over again for clients because it's absolutely true. Look, when you're in my office, even when you're here, think about divorce. Think about, is this the path that you really want to go down? What's the Im impact going to be on yourself, your family, your children? What is the transition going to look like? Do you have your own therapist? Have you been to a marital counselor? Have you seen a third party? Have you discussed these issues, the areas of disagreement with your spouse, with your partner, either on your own or with a professional, I'm a huge believer. I've said this before in the podcast endless amounts of times. I think it is so important for my clients to work with individual therapists, couples therapists, to have someone separate and apart from their attorney who they can confide in. They can work on their relationship, work on their marriage. Because if you press the go button, once you hit that, it's very hard to undo what is said, what is heard. And if you're moving forward, it's very, very difficult to walk back. Absolutely. That's great advice. And it's really what you're essentially saying is that it's life-changing, whether it's for the better or for worse. Either way, it is life-changing and it is a decision that one has to use and take it very seriously. You can't just go into it haphazardly because once it's done, it's done. But I even, even in this instance, I know people who have actually gotten divorced and gotten remarried. So that's how that happened only a few times. It can happen, right? But it's like, why go through all of that when you could have just worked through the issue to begin with? You could have just eliminated the divorce piece altogether. Well, I'll tell you, during the pandemic, I, I had, now that I think about it, two or three instances with couples where I was representing 
somebody, and because everyone was now spending so much time together, look for many people, the pandemic was filled with emotion and stress and challenges and everybody was dealing with so much. But there were a few instances where people, because they were home together, right? And this was not the norm for many people, but for a few people, they sort of rediscovered new things about their partner or their spouse or developed a new appreciation. I had a client who said, I never realized how great my husband was with her children because I never saw him. You know, our marriage worked because we both woke, woke up in the morning. He went to work. I went to work. He would come home often when the children were asleep. But now his professional life was taking place in the home. So she really was able to see how he was on a day-to-day basis with the children. So in that instance, she developed this newfound appreciation and they, they ended up reconciling. So, Wow. It can happen. The cool story. But for many people, the pandemic was not like that. I, I agree. I was going to say that that wasn't everyone's case, but it's nice to know that there are some instances where the pandemic was actually helpful for a certain couple. Dr. Jackson, let's go back to the personal side of things and take a look at your own life. During your childhood, what healthy relationships were models for you, whether you were part of the relationship or was a relationship that you observed and witnessed? Evan, to be fully transparent with you, this is why I got into this line of work period. I didn't see any really examples of healthy relationships, healthy couples, healthy marriages in my, in my life. I come from a broken home. My parents got divorced when I was about 10 and it was domestic violence. It was emotional abuse. It was just really tacky, honestly. And so when I lived outside of my home, even with my grandparents and family, friends and the greater communities, all I've seen was people got married, Divorce, married, divorce, married, divorce. And that was the consistent pattern that I've seen throughout my whole life. And so when I look at, when I look at that, and that's kind of the case today, to be honest with you, if I look at those that are around me, and that's typically the pattern. And so that's why I just went on this crazy professional and personal mission to help as many people as possible to have those healthy relationships because I don't believe that it should be that way. I believe that there there should be some healthy relationship, even if it's just one that you can witness and really just allow that relationship to be the example for you. So unfortunately, I don't have that many models in my life, but I can say that that has fueled the work that I do and that will always continue to be the reason. No, and I think that's incredible how you use your sort of you know background to, to help so many people and be a resource and really give people advice and really help people through such difficult times. To that end, if you can give one piece of advice to couples who are getting married today, what would it be? The advice that I would give couples getting married today would definitely be to sit down with the third party. And I'm not, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist because I'm not just only there, but it could be a coach. It can be a clergy person in your church, whatever. But you need to talk to somebody who has some type of extensive experience with this and actually talking with someone about the real issues that we talked about already, those core values, the things that really matter long-term and parenting and children, money, and how will that be handled? And all of these hard questions, like those need to be talked about and answered very thoroughly. And sometimes it's best to do that. Well, this time it's best to do that in an engagement setting with premarital with a third party, because sometimes when it's just you and your partner, you, you tower, <laughs> you know, you don't always, you get the hard questions answered because of, uh, fear because of uncertainty, but 
I think a third party hopping into the mix is probably the best advice that I can give someone that's about to get married. No, we definitely share a brand on that. And and look, part of the issue is it's not romantic. It's not sexy when you're dating or you're engaged or you just start the honeymoon phase, which I think people think is going to last a lifetime and it lasts about six months. And that's when all the hard work and all the things that we talked about come into play. But that has to be hard when you're engaged, you're thinking about these core values that we touched on, or you're suggesting that you go see a therapist, a marital counselor, or really talk to anyone. That's not sexy. That's not romantic. So to, to, to make that happen, what advice would you give to someone who wants to bring that up to, to their partner, that they want to go see someone, not because there's anything wrong with the relationship, but because they want to learn how to work on their communication, not only on a particular issue, but really to set them up for a lifetime of a healthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, this sounds like a very simple response, but I will say just do it. If the partner is unwilling to do that, to me, that's already a red flag of maybe I shouldn't marry you to begin with, because if you're unwilling to talk about the hard issues, even with a third party, how much more would you be unwilling to talk about them with me when something really drastic does arise? And so I do believe that if you bring that up and they are completely saying it's a no, it should not happen. I'm never going to therapy. I would reconsider if I would want to marry this person to begin with. If they're on the fence about it and they're open to it, there's a wiggle room. We can work with that. But if they're completely opposed to it, I would say run. (laughs) Run as fast as you can. Dr. Jackson, you're a best-selling author, a well-known and respected couples and marital therapist and an award-winning speaker. Is there one particular thing that you're most proud of? Oh, that's hard. I've had so many accolades and amazing things happen to me. You know, my business was recognized by Beyonce and the NAACP, and that was a very highlight moment for me. But I do think the things that I'm most proud of are the things that are not tangible, meaning my work ethic, meaning my passion, meaning how I operate in excellence and integrity with everything that I do. That is what really matters most to me. And I think that that's what keeps me in this game and that people like you reaching out to me to want to be on their podcast and stay connected with me because they feel the authenticity, the authenticity and the realness that comes from the work that I do. And Dr. Jackson, you mentioned your work being recognized by Beyonce and her album Lemonade was about her journey after her husband's infidelity. Tell us to that point, your advice for someone who has the challenges of making lemonade when the other person is giving you lemons. Oh, my life has been filled with lemon. (laughs) You know, I just started, you know, just a brief part of my story of my background and growing up. And so I know that it's not the easiest thing to do when life has been throwing you curveball after curveball and so many unexpected things happen that are outside of your control. But I think the the thing is to have some wherewithal within yourself. And for me, it's God. For me, it's spirituality to be rooted and grounded there. And so you, whatever that looks like for you, finding something that keeps you rooted and grounded is the key to really making sure that those lemon get made into lemonade. You can add a little bit of sugar in there to make it a little <laughs> bit sweeter. <laughs> I love it. And Dr. Jackson, producer Dave is going to join us. So we're going to have a little fun to finish up here on the podcast. Producer Dave, take it away. I know you have a few uh, few different quotes paired, prepared for uh, Dr. Jackson. 
Yes, indeed. We thought it would be fun, Dr. Jackson, to take quotes about relationships from three famous philosophers or eh, people of interest and uh, see if you agree, disagree with them or otherwise. First, Austrian poet Rainer Maria Rilke said the following. Person isn't who they are during the last conversation you had with them. They're who they've been throughout your whole relationship. What do you think about that one? I absolutely agree with that. We are all about patterns and consistency over here. So one conversation, you can't base a relationship off of that because we're human and we're fickle. And one moment we're happy, one moment we're sad, and our emotions tend to take over. And so looking at the pattern and the consistency of the behavior of the relationship is what is most important. Excellent answer. Next quote comes from Oscar Wilde. And this one, this one might be, as you say, Dr., a little controversial. Oscar Wilde said the following, Between men and women, there is no friendship possible. There is passion, enmity, worship, love, but no friendship. Your thoughts? Very controversial. (laughs) (laughs) Initial thought is, yes, that is a little spicy and controversial, but I do believe that men and women can be friends, to be honest with you. It's way more than just that whole passion or whatever the, the quote really was, but even if I look at my own life, I have friends that are strictly, that are males, that are opposite sex to me, and that are, it's strictly friendship. There's nothing more. There's no boundaries that have been crossed. There's no attraction there. And I do think that men and women can be friends and it be exclusively in just that. And it doesn't always have to be something more. Well, here, next, next one is sort of a related quote, but specific to marriage. Indian political leader B.R. Ambedkar said the following. The relationship between husband and wife should be one of closest friends. True, untrue, or somewhere in between? I agree that husband and wife should definitely be very close friends. But I also agree that they should have their own set of friends individually as well. I've seen too many couples try to morph into one person or they only have friends that are mutually friends with each other versus having their own set of friends each. And being able to go with your girlfriends and have a brunch and have a cocktail and you go on to play golf with your buddies, like that is healthy. I really do believe that separation and time apart from your partner is very healthy. So, yes, I do believe that married couples should be besties. But I also believe that you should have your own individual set of friends apart from your partner as well. I hope my wife is listening to the part where Dr. Jackson said about (laughs) going playing golf and having a cocktail. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she can go and she can go to brunch and have her cocktails, and you can go play golf as long as you need. But making sure that that is communicated is the best way to go about it. <laughs> Dave, what are you doing on Saturday, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Jackson? If you're free as well, let us know. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm always here for a good cocktail. I'm always here for a good cocktail. <laughs> Fair enough, Doctor Jackson. I can tell you this: this was an absolute blast, a lot of fun. You were such a wonderful resource for so many people, helping individuals, couples, families through incredibly difficult times. Tell all the listeners where they can learn more about your work and get in touch. Absolutely. One of the things that I'm most passionate about right now is my YouTube. I just launched two new shows on my YouTube channels, the Keandra Jackson Show and Keeping It Real with Keandra. So I would love for your listeners to go ahead and over to YouTube and subscribe to my channel, which is youtube.com, of course. And then my screen name is at Keandra Jackson. And they can follow me on the same Screen name at Keanu Jackson for all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. Stay connected with all of the work that I'm continuing to do. Fantastic. All the listeners, everybody should check out those 
platforms that Dr. Jackson mentioned. Dr. Jackson, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. It was so great being here. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully we can do a part two, Emmett. I would love it. <laughs> Episode 60 of the Shine On Podcast, the brilliant Keandra Jackson joined us for the Shine On Podcast featured guest spot. What a guest, what a docket, what an Ask Evan segment. Producer Dave, we're 60 episodes in. You bring your A-game each and every episode. What a fun episode. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad the show has hit the big 6-0. Doesn't look a day over 21 to me, Evan, but always getting better. <laughs> Absolutely. And to all the listeners, listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Pond 617, and wherever else you listen to your podcast, follow the podcast and subscribe. I'm Evan Shine, and I'll talk to you again real soon.